You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am so thrilled to introduce you to Jennifer, who grew up in Belgium, and her first passion and career was ballet. She then pivoted to the world of advertising and marketing and has done sales and marketing leadership roles in Europe, the USA, and the Middle East. She is currently based in Los Angeles, where she runs the marketing team for the Americas for Microsoft Advertising. She's also the co-host and executive producer for the Download Web Show and Podcast, a digital nomad at heart. Her family, partner, and two kids has traveled the world, an optimist in nature. She's always very pragmatic. English is not her first language, and she dabbles in many languages, and she's mostly proficient in French and English. Thank you for being here, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Have you dabbled yet in Hungarian? Not yet. Uh, I did go to Hungary. I loved Budapest. Um, But no, is that where you're from? My my father came as a a refugee from Hungary in 56, and and then met my mother, who's Métis. So... um, uh, it, both um, amazing languages, both uh, Mitchef and uh, Hungarian. So I, I, I know a bit of both. So I, I, I've dabbled in both Hungarian. It's not, it's not easy. I have a, a friend and a, and a colleague. He's Hungarian and he can, he's one of those talented person. He can just sit down at the piano and start playing. And he speaks more languages than me proper because I speak, you know, several Latin languages badly, you know, I can get by as long as I can negotiate and buy something in a restaurant and, you know, book a hotel, I'm, I'm happy with it. But Hungarian is quite different. So yes. no, I don't speak that. Okay. Soon. Yeah, I think you could learn Michif quite easily because it is a mix of French and Cree. So, uh, and, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful language uh, spoken okay. by Métis people here in Canada. Let, let's put this on my list. We, uh, as a family, we traveled to Romania and I yeah. could understand some of it. Yeah. You know, and so I, I don't know. I just joke around that I speak some sort of broken Latin when I yeah. mix all, you know, Spanish, Portuguese and Italian together. I did that when I was in Brazil. So, you know, there's ways around. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and just for full disclosure, um, this is not a sponsored episode. And so when, when you hear me talking about how much um, we as Jelly, our agency, loves Bing and the power of Bing, um, this is all natural. This is, this is a, an editorial interview here. Uh, and Jennifer at the point was like, well, I don't want to be salesy. I don't want to talk about this. And I said, no, I want to talk about it because I think Bing is one of the most um, underrated platforms out there. I know so many people spend so much of their dollars on other platforms, but when we want to reach uh, a certain age demographic who has bought a PC computer, has it came with Internet Explorer or Explorer Edge, and, uh, and, and that's the browser it came with was Bing, or they work for the government, some sort of government organization where it came with a PC computer that they work with and they can't download other browsers. And so they're using Bing all the time. And so when we've done campaigns for whether it's seniors homes or seniors products like a a tub that's safe for their homes, or when we are reaching a hospital administrators to sell hospital equipment, uh, Bing was a very, very powerful tool in our repertoire. Well, thanks for that. The non-sponsored advocacy for Bing. I love this. Uh, (laughs) Well done. So I think that, you know, it's always interesting to explore the past, to understand the present and to maybe think about the future. And there has been a lot of misconception or preconceived ideas that we've had around Bing. 
um, you know, and, and sometimes you get stuck with those ideas that you've had 10 years ago, um, or when Bing was live search, or when it was MSN search, you know, I remember those days when I first started to work at Microsoft in the mid 2000s, I was still in Belgium at the time, um, MSN was a verb. For those of us who recall this, you know, when you were IMing someone, you were you were using MSN Messenger. And the little green guys, right? With yes. The green heads, yeah. yeah. Blue, yes, exactly. And so that was a verb. And so we've had different iteration of our search product. And today it's Microsoft Bing, right? And so um, it has evolved. And I think that changing perception takes time. And for all of us marketers, we know this. You know, brand perception takes a lot of effort. But you're right. I think that Bing really sits at the intersection of work and life and is really such such a core part of the ecosystem that Microsoft uh, presents. And when you think about the amount of people who have Windows device, I just I was just pulling the numbers yesterday just to prepare for today, but it's over 1.3 billion Windows devices. So remember this number because that's a big one and that's a really important one. And so that's an easy access to the suite of products that we have. And so, um, you know, there's other sorts of data, but, you know, obviously there's a big propensity for people who are on a PC and who are using the Microsoft uh, ecosystem to use the default uh, product that they have. And to your point, I think that a couple of years ago we had this identify this trend as um, you know, the era of default, you know, unless you're like really tech savvy or my son who's 15 and building his own computer from scratch. I don't even know how to do that. You know, people just buy a computer and use what's there already installed because it's easy. There's so many options today. There's too many choices. You know, you want to make your life easy, right? And so think about those who buy a Windows PC, they're probably going to use Edge, and they're going to use Bing, and they're going to use Outlook, and they're going to read their news on MSN. And so all of that is part of the ecosystem. Um, and so, again, today with over 75% of the PC OS market, you know, there's a tremendous potential for Microsoft advertising. And I think for, for people as well, it has been sort of challenging to move away from MSN or from Bing to Microsoft advertising and the networks that we have. And super quickly, maybe just to be very specific, there's search and that's part of, you know, where Bing sits in, but the Microsoft search network and we have uh, obviously Bing, but we also have interesting partners. You know, we still have a partnership with Yahoo and AOL, the Wall Street Journal, but also really interesting partners like Ecosia and DuckDuckGo and Lilo. You might not know it, but if you search on Lilo, for instance, for a French speaking friend, or on Ecosia, the results are powered by Bing. And then there's the audience network, and that's where we play in the native and programmatic business as well. And so um, Microsoft advertising is actually bigger than what you think, and so is Bing. So no, it's very it's it's very exciting. Um, I one time uh, had the opportunity to go to an event down in Seattle because I'm right here in Vancouver. So it was yeah. it's not a it's not a long drive, and it's very exciting because back in the day we'd go to like Trader Joe's. Um, Remember we, when we used to go to places? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> and uh, we went to Seattle. And, and growing up, we'd go to like, you know, a Mariners game or uh, back in the day, it was like the Seattle Supersonics. And you go to the market where they throw the fish and you go to the first ever Starbucks, um, like such a great touristy place. Um, but the Microsoft headquarters was so cool in that it is such a physical reminder of the Microsoft ecosystem because it had a big um, kind of Xbox setup. 
and Minecraft was a new yep. um, part of the ecosystem. And of course, recently you've expanded your gaming empire as well, just just recently, which is very cool. Yep. And LinkedIn. They had a whole section about LinkedIn at their at their headquarters. And so it was such a fun tour. And, and the day was about Bing, actually, and the power of Bing. Yeah. And um, mostly it was around Bing and SEO. And what I found so great about Bing and, and kind of in the SEO circles of those that research SEO and the trends of SEO, Bing has been one of the most supportive platforms as far as showing transparency and how the browser works and uh, the importance of, of Bing places and the Bing locations and just how the Bing algorithm works. It's been a really great, uh, call it, Bing has been a really great friend to the SEO community. Well, thank you for saying all of that. I think that, you know, today as a marketer, you want to partner with companies that you can trust? Um, one thing I'm really, really excited about is the download web show. I love that you were able to develop a, a web show and a podcast. Tell me about it and the vision behind it and what, maybe kind of what's, what's the, uh, something that someone can look forward to in, in episodes in the future. Yes. Well, thank you for being a fan, number one. Um, and so it's funny because the download has been such an adventure. Um, and it started because of COVID, actually. Um, you know, when we all went into lockdown in March 2020, we kind of threw our marketing plans at the window because what we thought we would be executing on, such as in-person events, for instance, you know, like that was not an option anymore. And so um, it took us a while to kind of, you know, get adjusted to... Um, marketing budget sort of modification, change of plan and recalibrating. And then we thought, well, how do we continue to engage with our audiences and clients um, and think about it in a different way? And we thought, well, how about just doing a video show? A video, you know, everyone loves kind of a video and, you know, it's kind of a fun way to, to talk about ourselves or to interview clients and to connect with people. And so... The download was born. I think that we launched our first episode in September 2020. Um, and now we are on season two. Um, and so the next episode is coming up sometime in February. And then we'll have another one in, Feb in March. And then we have a couple more uh, before the summer as well. And so that has been a really interesting journey in testing, learning, and getting better. Um, and there's a, a few learnings because it's interesting as, as marketers, we really needed to be better at marketing ourselves and marketing our products, right? And so at first we were really adamant around hosting the web show on our website. And then the traffic was okay, you know, but so it required for people who were already aware of Microsoft advertising to come and discover the show on our website. And then after three episodes, we're like, well, what if we were putting this on our YouTube channel? And that has really reinvigorated um, our, our, our YouTube channel, but also we just reach people where they were at. And then we saw the reach going, you know, extremely high and really becoming viral. And, you know, I think it, it has been such an interesting opportunity for discovery, for reach, for also, and also to showcase how Microsoft ad advertising can be very creative. You know, maybe sometimes people have an image of, you know, Microsoft is very corporate and very enterprise. Well, we have a ton of creative people as well. And that has been such a, um, you know, a tremendous opportunity to express product demonstration that might feel really dry, but put them in a really fun way, you know, hosting a lot of guests that were really exciting, talking about change, you know, talking about disruption. And so right now we really are in a good place where we have two main objectives with the download. One 
is to put purpose at the center of everything. And so um, we've done a lot of interview with thought leaders, you know, in the world of purpose and good and, you know, how good business, you know, it's good for your business, you know, or the business of good in a way. So that's one thing that that really notion of purpose. And then the second one is really to feature unconventional thinking. Um, and again, you know, inviting disruptors and, you know, how brands have done something unexpected. And one example was we interviewed Crocs, you know, and how they distributed uh, free pairs of shoes, like almost a million pairs of shoes um, to healthcare workers at the beginning of the pandemic. They were part of our first episode. Recently, we interviewed Who Gives a Crap as well. This is a, a funny toilet company subscription base, like because it's really boring to buy toilet paper. Right. And so they donate half of their profit to building sanitation in developing world and so that has been an ability to meet a lot of people and to surface really good stories like that um that's amazing so with the show um what has been maybe some of like the surprises or the learnings because there's people who are listening right now who maybe a want to start their own show or who are in the middle of getting a show going what can they learn from from your experiences yeah yes so um yeah, so I'm the host and the executive producer, and I have a couple of other uh, partners who are also, you know, executive producer. Um, I think it's it's really, it goes really fast. And so I think that we always underestimate the time that it takes to put a, a, the editorial calendar together or, or create the editorial and create a, a, an episode that would make sense. And so having all those different segments within your show, if that's how you're building it, um, you know, that takes a lot of really thinking. Is there a theme that you want to land or is it just, you know, random, you know, like I, there's no right or wrong, but I think that thinking about what is the main two th- or three things that you want to land per show, for instance, then the second thing is the length. I think that again, at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was really keen to connect and consume content. And then, you know, video consumption went through the roof. Now we're all really tired. And that's also why we launched the podcast, because we want to be inclusive in how people consume content. Sometimes you have the time to sit down to watch on your computer or watch on your phone. And sometimes you have to do your dishes and walk the dog and drive to whatever, you know. And so a podcast is more appropriate. And so I think that length is really key. And we've noticed that 20 minutes is sort of the ideal length for a web show. Podcast, I listen to podcasts that are an hour and a half. So I think that you can, you know, we're doing this right now. We can go at length, you can go deep. And so I think that length is a bit less relevant. And at times, you know, we feature something in a very short format on the web show, two minutes, and then we go deep in a podcast. So think about maybe the behind the scene or the accompanying, you know, audio piece to the, the web part. And so that's something that we think about. And then distribution. I think that we all learn in marketing school that, you know, you spend $1 in creating your content, you have to spend five bucks in promoting the content, right? And so I think that one lesson that we learn is that we were kind of expecting people to just randomly discover the show and organic promotion would be enough on social. It's not enough. And so, um, you, you know, we, we've used the download as sort of 
an entry point to a lot of the sponsorship that we might have done with industry bodies, for instance. You know, we send this to our clients. We also encourage our sales force internally to consume this and to share with our clients. And so all that work of, you know, employee advocacy is really important, but also paid promotion, it still works. And so we've done that as an afterthought. And so we're like, well, why didn't we think about that? Actually, we sell media after all, you know? And so that was kind of a learning. Um, I think that, you know, personally, I probably have become better at interviewing guests. Um, you know, sometimes like you're letting me speak freely right now, but at some point you have to interrupt or, you know, and redirect. And so that's an art. Um, so I listen to a lot of great interviewers to learn from them and then, you know, to try to get better. Who's, who's um, your favorite interviewer? Who have you looked up to and kind of admired? Well, I'm a big fan of Kara Swisher and the podcast that she has with Scott Galloway, Pivot. I mean, sometimes they rumble, but I think that she's just so brilliant and I absolutely love her. Um, you know, Sam Harris is a different kind of interviewer, yeah, philosopher. And uh, so he's really interesting, very quiet voice like this, you know, and so that that's really interesting as well. Um, Esther Perel is my favorite, uh, you know, <laughs> she's a well-renowned psychotherapist. And so she, uh, she has a really, uh, incredible talent of making people speak. Yeah. She's a therapist. And so that helps as well, but you know, like different, different kind of models, but so, uh, that has been really helpful. Um, there's a Canadian by the way, named Tom Power who hosts a show called the Q in Canada. So it's on the CBC radio. Okay. Uh, amazing. It, it, probably one of my best interviewers I, I, I look up to and I, mean, I like uh, he's my kind of teacher in the art of interviewing I see okay okay I'll, I'll check him out yes yeah. for sure for sure um, yeah I think that this has been sort of you know an, an interesting journey along the way of understanding like what lands really well I think that what has been interesting for us as well and maybe B2B companies get this less less often than than uh, b2c you know but comments from viewers and so that has been really helpful as well to continue to refine the the segment you know from our show so and then lastly i think that again because we've all have been working from home for so long and we've been on video calls yeah. way too many times yes. the quality of your web show is or video show is really important yes um again when we conceptualized the show i had i created a mood board right and so Vice News was a good example. Yes. Um, explainers, whatever Vox is producing, I think yes. it's super high quality yes. as well. And so those were my model, you know, of like mix of graphic and live interview and, and really recreating like really good piece of TV content, not another boring video call. Yeah. That's what we didn't want. So I think that the quality is really important as well. That's, that's amazing. And, and as far as uh, kind of data is concerned, when you put them out, like when, when we started our show, we were on YouTube and then we were uh, at the time using Anchor. We're now on uh, Red Circle for, for syndication and, and kind of distribution. But I'm always amazed to see the trends of like Spotify users to iTunes to Stitcher. And, and of course, Anchor and Red Circle puts you on all the kind of the random podcast channels that are out there. Like, do you, do you find that you see an audience kind of on typically one of those channels or where you're seeing the most engagement or is it uh, kind of all over the map? Yeah, so I'm I'm also going to be very honest is that I'm I'm not really into the I'm not so technical into yeah, all yeah. the the tools that we're That's using okay. and so yeah yeah but we've realized that um 
I think one principle that we really try to apply to everything that we do is um, accessibility of content. Yes. And again, yes. like we've tested a few things and let's talk about the podcast for a minute. Yeah. Um, yes, we are wherever you listen to your podcast. And I think that it's such a busy environment right oh. now. Like everybody has a podcast. There's <laughs> so, 20, 30,000 new ones launching today. Yeah. Okay, crazy yes. fact. Someone told me once it was like, I can't remember. It was like 86% of podcasts in the Apple podcast world had one episode. So nothing went beyond the one episode. So it was people who like, you know, late night drinks, had a great day. Let's launch a podcast. And then they realize, oh, this is work. Oh, this yeah. is a lot of, you know, energy yes. and time and resources that go into this. Yes. No, absolutely. This is really funny you say that because we actually had a few sort of cold emails in yeah. our inbox saying, hey, good job on the download podcast and you've made it to three episodes. A lot of yeah. people don't even pass the first one. So yes. exactly what yeah. you said. Um, but writing a podcast or creating a podcast is a lot of effort as well. And so there we've tried a few techniques. Either like I write a script and then I feel too attached to the script I like keywords, honestly. I like just question and keywords, and then you have to have that, that free flow and good chemistry between the hosts, you know, and, and yep. the guests and yep. everything. And so it has to be more conversational. Yep. Um, yep. Do also a lot of research. I mean, I think that we see what's going on right now with Joe Rogan, for instance, you know, like facts matter. And so, of course, everyone has an opinion and that's totally okay, but there are certain things that are true or not. And so uh, fact-checking is really something that keeps me up at night as well. What we've realized as well is that when you drop your podcast on YouTube for us, it has been beneficial because at least we have people who are subscribed to our YouTube channel, Microsoft Advertising. Whenever there's new content, they get a notification. That's just easy for us as well. Um, but then we've done transcripts of our podcast that yeah. we put on LinkedIn that's interesting as well. You don't always have the opportunity to listen to a podcast or you can read a podcast. And so providing different form factors for people to consume content has been really, really interesting um, and, a, and a good lesson and a recommendation, I would say, for sure. Of course, we always think about closed caption. And again, as you know, <laughs> English is my second language. And so I consume everything with subtitles. And so closed caption are really, really important for us as well. We have them available in different languages. And so those little details that make your content very accessible, they're not details. They're really fundamental to your strategy. That is amazing. I uh, was able to check out, um, I want to say his name is Feeler Media, and they did a really cool behind the scenes kind of like how the podcast came to be and some photos and kind of even like the rough draft scripts in you know with pencil yes. and paper and yes. uh, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes but it was a really fun to kind of watch the process of yeah. something develop um yes. so you're in b2b how yeah. is it like reporting uh, to kind of your you know the, the powers that be when it comes to doing content like this because i think we all have like reporting to do and you know what's the conversions what's the numbers and podcasts is very difficult we find to to report right on you know yeah. or attribution so what does that look like kind of for you i know yeah then for the podcast and for the web show as well like you know we get that question of like well what's the roi on this yes. show yes and so how does this show drive you know incremental revenue and mm -hmm. so um, well, I'm a big fan of the B2B Institute at yes, LinkedIn and yes, whatever they yes. think about. It. And I think that um, we really need to think about um, our content as an expression of our voice. And this is where we're in the long term game. This is an opportunity to put Microsoft advertising on the map yeah. of, you know, and again, we've had some really interesting press recently. We're serious about the advertising business. Yes, right. Yes. And, and so 
through, you know, some acquisition, but we're growing. And so we, you know, again, like as a marketer, you need to think of how you diversify your media plan and making sure that you're not just, you know, focus on two players, but, you know, you expand your audience to where the audience is. And so I think for us, the download is really an opportunity for brand awareness and for talking about us without talking about us. But, you know, we are like, again, like the the mission of Microsoft is to empower others, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think that the download is an opportunity to do that. We feature our partners, we featuring the the great work that we do with some of our partners as well, or interesting talent. And so um, I have a lot of anecdotal feedback, for instance, we have been on, on, you know, hiring spree recently, and we have a lot of, you know, Um, open roles at the moment and it's interesting because then people check you out on LinkedIn and then they see the download and so I have so many people who have told me like I didn't know Microsoft Advertising were doing something such so creative and so I think that it creates an incentive to understand that there is room for creativity at Microsoft and there's room for doing fun work and so that has been great um, being able to continue to connect and create some sort of emotion with uh, clients, with the industry in general, that has been really good as well. Um, and discoverability overall, I think for SEO in general, you know, when you search in Google, for instance, you search Microsoft advertising or on YouTube, you type marketing, the download is there, you know, in the top, in the top results. And so I think that thinking holistically of how the download is a vehicle for brand awareness, creative expression, a recruitment tool. Those are the different areas where, you know, we have seen some impact. Now, attribution of, you know, who does what and, you know, what what is the marketing impact overall? That's the, you know, eternal question that we have, you know. <laughs> so um, when you think about sponsoring an event, for instance, you know, and, and then we're like, well, how many leads did you generate or, you know, did that really increase, you know, revenue for this particular vertical or client? It's some of all the things that we do that generate results. And I think that there has been a ton of support internally for us to continue and to fund the show, to continue and to make it bigger. And so, and, and again, if you look on our website, the, the download is really present across, you know, different pages on the website, whether it's insights or case studies, etc. because it's an opportunity to tell stories in a very creative and impactful way. That's awesome. I, uh, I love seeing um, great marketing podcasts do well, especially when they're really, really well done. And you get referred when they're good. And I find that too for us, like we still will see spikes on certain episodes when done well. And, and yeah. it typically doesn't come from the general pocket, but it's like, oh, you got to listen to this one episode. And then it's kind of like you introduce them through that one, that yeah. one interview or that one experience. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think for a web show, you also in terms of the frequency, podcast is really important to be very frequent. You know, yes. like if you can be daily, that's a lot of work, but yeah. that's great. Weekly, like we are on a monthly cadence right now. Ideally, yeah. I would love to increase this, you know, because that yeah. is necessary to create loyalty with your audience. So um, again, web show, you can be a little bit less frequent, but podcast needs regular um, yes. frequency for sure. There's um, digital marketing today. Todd Maffin is, is one of my favorite daily shows, but, and it's amazing that he's able, like he has a writer though and a researcher on his team to get out this daily show, uh, but he's making a go. That's his kind of life goal is to have be a full-time. Yeah. And then there's, uh, of course, Neil Patel, you know, and his partner, yes. uh, they do, they have the daily show, but again, it's, it's short. They're, they're like, you know, five, 10 minutes tops, little quippy, um, 
segments. But even Neil was saying he would film them and record them in batches. And and wow. so whereas uh, Todd's model is every day he's doing something new. He's recording fresh, editing fresh. If if you're doing daily, I guess that you know it's probably better to record daily because <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I'm looking at my podcast list right now and what I'm subscribed to at the moment, but uh, yeah, I'm actually listening to podcasts in French as well because I oh. want to know what's going on there too. Yes, that is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com/purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Okay, so I want to talk about Microsoft advertising. So. I, as we know, I'm a big fan. Uh, we do a ton of work in B2B. We do a ton of work with, uh, reaching kind of administrators within offices who have a PC, use Internet Explorer or Microsoft Edge, and are, are, are naturally binging, or you know, a, a demographic that that again naturally bings. And so, tell me when you are bringing it up, like I bring it up in meetings, or I talk about it in pitches. And and I'm still kind of getting that funny look when I bring up Bing. What's what's your advice for someone like me, and just the general marketers of like, hey, you're you're straight from Bing itself. Where's Bing at, and what are you up to, and and why do we need to continue to take you seriously? Yeah, yeah, no, great question. So I think that um, there are two misconceptions that a lot of people still carry. Um, from maybe 10 years ago. One is that they think that uh, Microsoft advertising is only Bing, but we're more than search. We'll get back to that in a second. And the second misconception is that we don't have enough volume. Um, and so those are the two most, you know, kind of preconceived ideas that a lot of people have. And so um, those are not true anymore. And I know that when you have a perception about something at some time, in a moment in time, it stays with you for a long time and it takes a lot of work to change those perceptions. So maybe I can help. So um, I think that what we need to remember is that the offering of Microsoft advertising is part of the Windows ecosystem, right? And so again, a funny stat that we you know recently uncovered is that... Um, Last year was the biggest year-over-year -year growth for PC in over 20 years. And so, you know, you'll see this in the next download, actually, but we talk about the PCs back. And, and again, maybe it was also partly because of COVID and everyone was working from home and, you know, glued to their computer all the time. But And, and if you're a PC fan, you're a PC yeah. fan. Like, I, like we, yeah. we are an Apple office, but, like, we supply a computer. And now with this kind of remote work, everyone says, well, I want to use my own. Most people want to use their own because they have a PC yeah. that's just gorgeous and beautiful. They're comfortable with it. It's faster. So I'd say almost a good quarter, if not half of our staff, and these are all kind of 20-something young professional digital marketers, are PC users. Yeah. There was an article recently in the press that said the, reven the revenge of the nerds, you know. And so uh, it's interesting how things have shifted, you know. And listen... Uh, there, it's it's always great to have competition, right? Monopolies are not good for anybody, especially not for for people. 
Um, but so, yes, there's different trends. And I think that if you speak about gamers, like my son is a gamer, there's no way you would, you know, he, he needs a PC. And so he built his own computer, by the way. Um, but so, you know, that is growing. And so everything is embedded in the Windows ecosystem. And so if you're a PC user and you are on Windows, then you're going to use the suite of products. And so that is a huge opportunity for us. And so... Um, Again, today we have 1.3 billion Windows device. So that's wow, the opportunity. Wow. Yes, 1.3 billion. So that's a lot. And that's the opportunity um, that we see because there is an extremely strong correlation between a Windows users and for that person to use Edge and Outlook and Teams and MSN and, and Bing and the, the suite of products. And so for us as an advertising platform, that's a huge opportunity to reach that audience. So a lot of people also think that, well, it's an older audience, you know, and I and, and again, I think that that's a misconception because, you know, the, the stat that we have that people might forget is that 73% are under the age of 45. So... Over 45 is not considered old anymore, right? And so I'm over 45. And so, uh, but, you know, people think that, um, they think that it's a really older audience, you know. So I'm not going to bore you with all the details. They're available on our website. But I think that that's also a misconception, you know. And so it's an audience that have a high propensity to purchase online. It's an audience that shop. And again, when you shop for furniture, you prefer to do this on a computer versus on a mobile phone, right? And so, and I pulled some Canadian data for your audience as well. And so I see here that it's 35% share of searchers on Windows device. Wow. Overall, the market share for Bing in Canada is 25%. Wow. So, you know, it's bigger than what you think. So that's hopefully myth number one a little bit, you know, uh, busted. The number two thing is that, again, it's, and it's funny because some people still call us Bing ads, but we have more than search. So, yes. of course, we have search and Bing is a huge product and I think that you know if you if you look at some of the innovation that we've done recently we put a lot of investment there to make the product better um, and to also maybe surface more objective results that you might have otherwise uh, but the Microsoft search network is is of course powered by Bing but also by a lot of partners that we work with you know whether it's uh, Yahoo AOL Wall Street Journal and also other partners that I find particularly interesting uh, Ecoja, DuckDuckGo, Lilo, they're all, you know, really purpose-driven companies that we partner. And so if you search on DuckDuckGo, the results are powered by Microsoft Advertising. So that's the search network. The second one is around the audience network. And so that's our native and display offering that you will see in Microsoft Start, Outlook, and Edge. So again, more than search. And then the third thing also is Promote IQ. Um, and so that's the platform that retailers rely to serve brand ads to consumer. And so we have a good partnership with Kroger, for instance, and we're expanding this. So that's really the reader vertical. So Microsoft advertising is three things and it's bigger than Bing. That, that is awesome. And, and as far as what you're excited about coming down the pipeline, that, that working at Microsoft, what you're loving these days, what, what, you know, what kind of gets you up in the morning? Yeah. Um, a few things. First of all, I get to uh, work with amazing people. I think that, um, you know, the, the colleagues and the friendship that you build, um, how, the culture that we have, how you're able to show up, um, be yourself, you know, and just also 
I love to disagree with people, you know, and so creative tension is really important. And so there's a few concepts that uh, we really practice. One is that notion of growth mindset. And so that that started with our new CEO, obviously, but we all had to read the book, you know, and so my kids even talk about growth mindset at school as well. And so I think that before Microsoft was probably more uh, more of a know-it-all type of company and now we're learning it all, learn it all. And I think that we celebrate failure, we celebrate taking risks. Yes, we love data, we love KPIs, accountabilities and all of that, but um, we really are in a good place where there is that that opportunity to really try new things. And so um, that is just built in a good culture where you have trust and, you know, you can have creative tension to be better at what you do and just bring up new ideas. So that for me is really important. Um, and I think overall the the change in the company strategy, like how we've opened up to partner with our competitors, you know, the innovation, um, there is, you know, huge investment in research overall, you know, and when you think about some of the products uh, that we are, you know, go to market with. And, and again, like that notion of accessibility, when you think about the um, adaptive controller that Xbox launched, you know, like how accessibility is really a, a key value for us. And so um, innovation, values, culture, I think that's, you know, it's interesting because I have been at Microsoft for over, you know, 12 years on and off in different countries. And so I have a lot of friends in the industry that have that were at Microsoft that have left and then they see Microsoft from the outside right now, um, you know, and, and they see that it's a different company today. So, um, you know, so I think that those are really important for us. And so continue to innovate and listen to our customer and get better at what we do. And, and it's really interesting. Microsoft is such a giant, but the advertising side of Microsoft is really a challenger mentality. And so how do we continue to think different, you know, to quote that amazing slogan from Apple. But that's really, you know, at the core of, you know, what we want to do. Nice. So um, there's another online advertising company um, that does certifications and they do yeah. training on how to use their ads. Um, and then you can get uh, certified and you can put on your LinkedIn and you can go to a job interview and say that you were certified in this type of advert. Does, does Bing have that sort of training certification process for students and or practitioners to get uh, certified. Yeah, we have the Bing Ads accreditation. And so I'm, I'll, I'll be happy to provide some of the links there as well. And I think that there's also some trainings available on LinkedIn. We also have another really interesting course that we launched a couple of years ago called Marketing with Purpose. And so we've done a ton of research there. It talks about again, like how consumer votes with their wallet, you know? And so how do you build brand love based on responsibility, uh, values, inclusion, all of that build trust, you know, and all of that builds brand love. And so microsoftadvertising.com slash marketing with purpose. It's a different kind of a, a way of thinking about purpose, but that talks about everything that I just said before around accessibility, sustainability, and all of that. And you can brag about it on LinkedIn as well. That, that is awesome. So when you talk about with purpose, is that kind of like you're looking at like B Corps and, and those that are giving back and those that are kind of using their business as a force for good, would you say? or is it That more? also, so yeah, so, so there's that aspect. There's also how you view sustainability. We just did a, a research uh, recently with Dentsu around um, 
uh, sustainable advertising and so the carbon footprint, you know, and so all the, the impact on the environment that we have. Um, and so there's also that notion of how do consumers make decision and how do they decide to purchase a brand or not? And so as a company, how do you how do you advertise a little bit more what your values are? And if you're giving back part of your profits, companies like Who Gives a Crap or Tom's, for instance, how do you yeah. how do you advertise this? And actually, we just launched a product recent, recently called the Marketing with Purpose Business Attribute. And so in your search result, you can have those little annotation that, and we have 26 or maybe 30 of them. I'm lo losing count because we're releasing them very, re uh, very frequently. But, and then you can sort of emphasize how you stand in terms of your, of your value, if you're a minority-owned business, if you are uh, vegan-friendly, if you are accessibility, um, offering accessibility in your shop, like all those sorts of uh, values, you can display them in your search result as well. And so immediately, consumer would know, it's like, okay, that's a company that kind of follow, you know, my value. They recycle. They are for, you know, minority-owned, women-owned, et cetera, et cetera. And so... Those are aspects where we, we start to see how purpose, the holistic concept of purpose, being very visible in how you market your product. Um, and so I think it's also like up, upholding your, your company to certain, to certain standards, you know, and just walk the talk, uh, say, say what you mean and deliver on your promise. Um, there's a lot of buzzword around purpose and the business of doing good and everything, but uh, it's hard, actually. Um, but if you embark on that journey, you know, you have, you have to be accountable for it, you know? And so sometimes also it could be like, is my website accessible? We have accessibility checker for free, um, you know, available for you to verify that, you know, is my copy completely legible or is this contrast of color actually uh, viewable for someone who's visually impaired, like all sorts of stuff to make, um, your content more accessible. Like this is a this is part of the journey of purpose. That's amazing. Uh, so for those that maybe have kind of been uh, you know spending most of their time or energy and putting it into kind of like two baskets with their eggs, uh, to use that analogy, uh, what's kind of a first uh, step into the world of Microsoft advertising, and and what's kind of a, a first step to, for them to get into it? Uh, you know, to introduce their clients to it for the agencies on the uh, listening right now, or for those that are uh, brands, what's the first step to that world? So you can go to microsoftadvertising.com. Okay. <laughs> that's your, yeah, that's yeah. your starting point yeah. there. And so, um, you know, there is, there is a ton of info. We're very generous with our insights. So if, yeah. you, if, you, if you don't really know who we are about, I mean, start there and then you have a ton of information about the kind of audience that we have, the type of services that we have. We have a lot of, again, like insights by verticals. You know, we have a lot of stuff. So I think that this is the best first point uh, to start with. We, and then maybe subscribe to our newsletter. It's called the Microsoft Advertising Insider. Okay. Um, cool. That's also available on the homepage of our website. There's a, you know, there's a simple way to register. And then, of course, watch the download um, yes. on yeah. our YouTube channel. So that's Microsoft Advertising um, on YouTube. Or and also the there's a podcast version, audio version of yes, and the session. podcast version as well. It's called the download podcast. We try to be very clear and specific and simple with the brand. It's the download web show and it's the download podcast. I'm gonna need to ask um, ballet. My my niece 
it loves it. I sometimes I go over and I and I do different moves, and she's not as excited because she knows I can't really dance. She she's amazing. She went and spent time in in Toronto this last summer at, at some sort of ballet academy. Um, so I'd love to know what you learned being a ballet dancer, and and how that applies to your job today. Yeah, great question, and it's funny because I'm going through that at the moment as well. My 12-year-old daughter is really into ballet after being against ballet forever. I guess you have to rebel against your mother as a daughter, you know, that's sort of the logical course. And so, um, and I talk about that quite a bit as, as well with her. And so I think that resilience and grit are really what comes to mind because in ballet, you're not going to show the pain that you're going through <laughs> when you do something very difficult and complicated. And so it's also the merging of something extremely technical, but delivered with grace. And so I think that, you know, I've carried this along the years of dealing with challenges with grace, um, you know, putting the hard work, but, you know, I don't need to brag about it to my manager and saying I've worked all night and all weekend. That's not her problem. And it's how I manage my time. Maybe I'm not doing this well, you know. And so just displaying this, uh, there's a lot of effort that goes into uh, everything that I do. But, you know, I like to show it with, you know, grace and elegance. So, you know, the other don't have to suffer with me in a way. And so I think that that philosophy of hard work, but making appear to be easy is is definitely coming from ballet and then you know I was again like telling my daughter that when I was a professional ballet dancer the the one time I got the most screamed at was we were practicing I was on stage and the choreographer was yelling at me and so I just absorbed everything I didn't cry I went backstage and then I cried <laughs> so you know being able to deal with radical candor and direct feedback and you know in a way not taking it personally but the feedback was about the work and I was doing a bad job and so the next time trust me I didn't make the same mistake and so maybe it was a violent way of learning radical candor but I definitely learned it this way <laughs> that is that is very cool um and as far as um kind of Canada is concerned in Microsoft do you, do you end up kind of like talking about Canada and kind of where trends you're seeing compared to America and, and kind of what you're watching up here in this great white yes. north? Yeah. <laughs> I have yet to, I mean, I've been to um, Quebec actually, yes. but yeah. not in Toronto, not in Vancouver yet. It's on my list. Yes, listen, I am a non-American living in America. And yeah. so I think that one of my first job is to remind all my American colleagues that there's a whole world out there that think differently, you know, hey, I love my American friends, but there's, and I, and I felt this uh, a lot when I first moved to New York, um, you know, in the mid 2000, you know, I was coming from Belgium and I had, you know, a career there and then I come to America and they're like, well, who are you from the small little country, you know? And so continue to bring this global voice is really important for me and understanding that, um, you know, you know, Canada might be still in the northern territories, you know, but you have two cultures like like in Belgium. And so, they, you know, thinking differently, cultural relevance is very important. We are uh, we're present in many countries and we're launching new markets at the moment as well. And so reminding ourselves that um, this 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 local approach is really, really uh, important. And sometimes we might want to launch new products outside of the U.S. first. And then in the U.S., you know, so the, the GTM wouldn't be U.S. first and then the rest of the world. And so, yes, we do have 
um, a team based in Canada, so a Microsoft advertising team that's uh, based remotely now, uh, but mostly in Toronto. And so um, the Canadian market is a growing market as well. And so it's, it's very important uh, for us to focus on that too. I have actually someone in my team who's dedicated to Canada as oh, well. So that's yes. wonderful. So um, <laughs> if someone becomes an advertiser or potentially they would uh, get to meet your team member, like uh, you get a rep of some sort. Yes, absolutely. That's that's part of the sales team. We have sales reps, absolutely, that are based in Canada as well. Okay. Yeah. So very serious question. Uh, Microsoft Swag. What do you what do you got going on these days for for Microsoft Swag? <laughs> well, so we haven't produced any swag for the last two years because you know we were not meeting anybody in no. person, and also we wanted to avoid just you know producing stuff that would end up in landfill. But yes. I might have a, a couple of boxes coming your way of. Um, surprises so stay tuned with this but you know again I think that how we fabricate decor for events or what kind of swags we're doing for us is really important to partner with vendors that are sustainable and you know to limit as much as we can the carbon footprint so that is amazing that is amazing you're uh, you're speaking uh, some great language and, and it's very <laughs> cool because it and again I, I love that you know those with great power have great responsibility and, and if yes. you can you know, aim that to the right uh, areas. That's that's really great. So, um, and and help others along the way. And and I I be um, I can't not say this. So I'm I'm on the board of N Power Canada, which is a, a company or, or a charity in Canada that helps those uh, get education to get into the tech industry, get jobs, yeah. uh, and especially those that would normally not get that sort of education support. And Microsoft is a huge uh, supporter uh, donor. To, to end power and it, it's incredible that Microsoft has come alongside uh, such a charity to do that. That's amazing. We have a, an incredible give program at Microsoft where every dollar that I donate up to a certain um, cap, but they match dollar for dollar. If I volunteer time at a charity or nonprofit, uh, they match with dollar donation as well. So um, that philanthropic approach is really core to, um, to our mission. That's amazing. And, and I'm sure you can't even keep up with all the charities that you are currently supporting and giving to, let alone those in Canada. But No, but you can choose. And actually in Bing, you can also, if you subscribe, and I'm going to... Um, I'm going to take the look at the details here in a second so I don't misspoke, but yeah. the give with Bing. So if you sign, if you sign up, um, you can sign up with your Microsoft... Um, or your Hotmail or your whatever kind yeah. of, you know, Windows system type of a yeah. account that you yeah. have. But if you have a Bing account, you can actually choose the charity or the nonprofit of your choice. And the more you search, the more you give. And so you can keep track of the charity that you want to focus on and change them along the way. Um, and we, uh, you know, by searching, by using Bing and searching on Bing, you can make a donation to your to your nonprofit. So I would encourage everybody to switch and default <laughs> your search engine to Bing, so you can have an impact by searching. That that is amazing. That is amazing. Um, how do you feel about jumping into the rapid fire round here? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. What was your first ever job? <laughs> Okay, my really first ever job was a uh, babysitter. Nice. Uh, mm -hmm. Night owl or early bird? Definitely a late owl. Uh, cat or dog person? Dog. First thing that you ever marketed? <laughs> Myself. Nice. Uh, that's great. Dark or milk chocolate? 
I mean, I'm from Belgium, so it has to be Belgian chocolate and most definitely dark. Yeah, nice. Uh, favorite word right now? Chutzpah. Nice. So, yeah, <laughs> that's Yiddish, and I practice chutzpah a lot. <laughs> Perfect. What, and this is very fitting. Uh, the last charity that you supported financially or with your time, and why? Yeah. So, uh, two actually, the Children's Hospital, um, because, you know, it's really dear to my heart and it's, uh, it's just really um, tragic to see a, a lot of the kids, you know, who don't have um, the support that they need to overcome some of their challenges. And then the other one is uh, ballet companies and especially uh, when COVID happened because, you know, everybody, they couldn't perform. And so, again, like I'm a lover of the arts and, you know, former ballet dancer, so... Um, I support a few companies in New York and in LA. Yeah, that is that is awesome. Uh, what's like a movie you love you could watch over and over and over again? I find these questions so difficult. Like your favorite music or your favorite book? I have many, but um, there is one movie that I probably watch two actually. Okay, can I give you two? Yeah, two. Two is great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, Apocalypse Now. I've yes. seen this so many times, and then the other one is Amelie. Yeah. Oh, the great. full French it. title is like Le Fabuleux Destin d'Amélie Poulain, and it's so brilliant. I I haven't seen that movie in so long, and I, I yeah. love the part where it's like, uh, you know, depend, you know, what type of person are you depending on your parents and when you were conceived? I don't know if you remember that yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah, it's so great. It's just like, it's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful movie. Um, favorite song or album on repeat right now? Anything by Radiohead. Nice. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you weren't doing this job, like maybe in another, uh, call it like go with a Marvel, uh, you know, another universe. Uh, what would you be doing with your life? I didn't think about Marvel universe, but um, I think I, so I read the biography of Peggy Guggenheim a long mm. time ago. And I always thought that, you know, I would be like a support of the arts and just, you know, have painters living at my house and that kind of stuff. So I would be like a, a mécène. And supporting the arts, that's what I would do. I love that. That is awesome. <laughs> uh, what's an app on your phone you just can't live without? I try to delete apps on my phone, yes, actually. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, so I don't know, weather? Yeah. <laughs> Grubhub. No. Grubhub has yes. been like a lifesaver when I don't want to cook, yes. Yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> um, favorite children's book? Mm. I mean, I know it's a bit cliche, but, you know, it comes around uh, Le Petit Prince. Okay, yes, beautiful. Um, best thing you ever bought for under $10? Uh, actually, any magazine. I yeah. love magazines, and I think that, you know, there's not enough magazine stands and bookstores anymore, so, uh, yeah. That's awesome. What's <laughs> the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about? Um... That people can change. And um, I don't know, I'm not really answering your question here directly, no, but, but, I think, but I think that being okay with changing your mind yeah. and, and, you know, that's okay. That's how we grow. And so, yeah. I love that. That's a great mm -hmm. answer. Um, business or marketing book that you'd recommend to listeners? Think Again by Adam Grant. I'm so on point with my previous answer. It was not planned, I promise. It's <laughs> a great one. Uh, my wife actually got that assigned for her yeah. uh, master's program right now. So I got the chance to have it in my home and crack uh, it open. A real so live physical book. Yeah, it's awesome. 
Yeah. Um, podcasts, you know, outside of the download and outside of this one, what, what's a podcast that you'd recommend that you're just loving right now that you, you dig? Well, everybody has been talking about, is talking about the metaverse and, you know, this is, we are doing this interview in the metaverse, if you will. So, but uh, Kathy Hackle uh, did metaverse marketing. It's a limited, it's like six episodes, I think, yeah. but, and she's going to come up with a second season. I thought that was brilliant. I learned a ton. And so I highly recommend that. Nice. Uh, newsletter or website that you recommend for resources and inspiration? Uh, yes. So I have one actually that I absolutely love and I'm just uh, gaining some time because I want to make sure that I don't mispronounce his last name. Um, and it's Rishad Tobakowala. So he wrote a book, but uh, and he's very active on LinkedIn as well. He has a Substack, and uh, he has a yeah a series called "The Future Does Not Fit in the Containers of the Past." Brilliant. That is awesome. Um, life hack that you'd be willing to share? I this is really tough. I what comes to mind right now is how do I juggle everything as a working mom partner and mm -hmm. all of that and I feel that I, I have at least one mom failure or parental failure per day where I forgot a dentist appointment or this or that and so I don't have one but actually I would love <laughs> to have one of how to merge all the calendars between my husband and myself and my kids and everything because it's on I live in, across different universe so I don't have one I think that maybe being okay with failing every day and, and, and not holding yourself to such high standards of being of doing everything perfectly because it's impossible. I had someone say to me, uh, and I say this to myself every once in a while, um, it's not about being able to juggle all the balls. It's learning to see which of the balls are glass and which of them are made of rubber. Yes, that's a really good analogy. I love that. Because it's okay if some of them drop and, and they'll bounce. And where, where, what are the yeah. glass ones? And, and the discernment of what are the glass ones, right? So um, yeah. it's great because then you drop balls. As I'm a parent of four kids and, yeah, we drop balls all the time. But I, I, the hope is over time, what are the right ones? Yeah, um, yeah. So you hire people. You find and recruit new staff for Microsoft. What are the things that you look for in new employees and in job applicants? Um, potential. Um, the, I also try not to put college, uh, requirements on job description for, and, and we try to do that very systematically across the marketing organization, at least at Microsoft advertising. So experience to me is actually more valuable than a college degree. Um, Diversity of uh, roles and experiences is something that I'm very keen. Um, I'm going to say it, but people who speak different languages, you know, I think yeah. it adds, <laughs> you know, perspective of, I think that there's research that has been done that you think differently when you speak in different languages. And so that brings a diversity of thought. Um, I look at personal background as well in terms of like, how did you have to grow up? Did you have to pay for your college degree and while working and supporting a family member? You're going to show to work with a ton of grit and resilience, you know? And so um, creative project that you've done, you know, your side. Um, I always love to ask this question in interview of, you know, what you just asked me. In fact, like, what were you what would you be doing if you're not doing what you're doing today? And so that gives me a glimpse into 
passions and you know what the individual is is outside of work um so again just you know willingness to learn and that i think that's difficult to just um get the sense in a one hour interview but you know that's why we we have several people interviewing the same person uh i think it's more like bringing your passion and what you're really interested in um and also right now i'm looking for people who can write i think the ability of really writing well, being a great copywriter is a skill that you will need no matter where you're going. That's why I tell my kids as well. Uh, and sometimes when they have to do an English essay and they're like, I don't want to do it. Like you have to, you know, this is really such a skill that is important for you. So this is great. Anything else you'd like to leave with listeners? No, thank you. That was great. And so I think that, you know, again, like quoting Adam Grant and think again, I think that uh, I would love your listeners and your audience to think again about uh, what they thought they knew about Microsoft advertising and come and discover us a little bit and change what you thought your perception was and um, expand your audiences. It's amazing. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us this week yes. on Marketing News Canada. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode and we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.